And uh, it's also good to have our friends from uh, Providence Teen Challenge Women's uh, Home here with us today. Yeah. It's like uh, one of the highlights, I think, of our year to have them uh, to come. It gets a good, good start for the, uh, the brand new year. So uh, April is going to come up first and uh, share with us, and uh, then we'll have the girls after that. So God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. So I'm pretty much a giant, so I'll just pick it up from here. Yeah. <laughs> um, good morning. I was actually talking to the pastor this morning. I'm like, trying to remember if I've been to this church before. Um, I think I might have been here when I was a new student. Um, you know, it's like one of those things you try to remember the shape of the church when you come in. You're like, okay, have I been here before? <laughs> but I thank you so much for how you guys have supported our ministry for years. And I thank you for your prayers that even though if you might not have seen me before or known me, that your prayers have worked in my life. It's kept me, it's done a work in me that I can't even imagine. Um, my struggle was I was extremely suicidal before coming into Teen Challenge. Um, the first time I tried to end my life, I was only eight years old. And I grew up in the church. <laughs> Went to church almost every single Sunday. My parents were both leaders in the church. But I had a very warped view of God because my family was one of those come together, perfect family at church, but completely different story behind closed doors. So I was taught how to lie, manipulate, all those things at a very young age, and I thought that only if I was good enough and had that front for God would he love me, but I knew that there was always those things inside of me, and that guilt and shame, so I thought I could never be good enough for him, that I could never be loved by him. And it's amazing to look back and see how his hand was always so there in my life. All those times when I was just so upset inside, or I'd wake up again in the hospital after another suicide attempt and go, God, why won't you just let me go? If I'm going to hell anyways, there's no way I can ever make it into heaven. Why won't you just let me go? I'm so done. But never did he. He never let me go. And even though with struggles from self-mutilation to an eating disorder to being in a very toxic marriage, he lined a path straight to him. Through things like we don't always like think that it comes in the way that we want, right? We want him to like either fix us or like make it go away? Well, of course, a lot of times the way he works is through humility, which in our human minds we think is humiliation. But praise God, there was this amazing Christian family. I worked in a children's and youth ministry down in Florida, and they just prayed, and they knew that there was something going on, but they didn't know what it was, but they prayed, and God showed them that I had to move with them up to New Hampshire. And through a series of events that still blow my mind, when I went on a trip to end my life, God showed them that I was supposed to come into this program. A girl had come to that church who had overdosed a couple times in a row, and they brought her into this ministry. They never knew about it, but as soon as they came in, they knew that this is where I needed to be. They didn't know what my story was. They didn't know why, but they knew that God had a calling upon my life to be set free in him, just like all of us do. And so they prayed me in, and it's been the most amazing, <laughs> transforming three years. Like, I couldn't even give a testimony when I first came in the program. So bound with anxiety, couldn't stand in front of people by any means, would shake so bad. But now, like, when he started showing me that this is where he wanted me, you know how you, like, kick and scream. You're like, no, I don't want what you have. God, how can I do it? I can't do it. And he kept showing me Moses. You know, Moses, like, who am I? Why are you going to send me? He's like, am I not God? And all the more gladly I will boast in my weaknesses to give him glory for the fact that it is not me that is able to stand here, and it's not me that's able to be a leader to these girls because within myself I feel like a failure. But he set me free from that, to know that any fail that I make, he can pick me right back up and use it for his glory. 
Amen. And so I'm going to have the girls come up here while I share just a couple specific things that God's been doing in our home. Um, last year, I believe we asked for you to pray for our prison ministry. God was beginning to like line some things up with what he was planning to do far bigger things than we could see, right? And we were in the Dartmouth House of Correction and the ACI just weekly basis. Well, now they've opened up an entire wing in the Dartmouth House of Correction for Teen Challenge. There's a whole wing of girls doing Teen Challenge that God's raising up these girls to go in there to minister to them, to encourage them, to share their testimonies with them, to teach them their curriculum of what God's teaching them to learn. Because not only are we supposed to be discipled, we're supposed to learn how to disciple, right? Well, that's what he's doing in all of their lives, and it's powerful. And so what now we're going to ask is for you guys to pray to believe for those girls in there that even though they're behind closed doors, that they can just be as free as anybody else, that they can find that freedom for them to understand that forgiveness and that love that God has for them. And that it's sort of like, I'm believing in Jesus' name that it's going to spread like wildfire. Like even though right now they're getting made fun of, you know, like why are you part of that? What are you doing that whole Christian thing? Why not other people go, what, why are they happy? Why are they set free in here? Why are they okay with being in here? Why are they happy today? And for them to want what they have, for the Christ to show, shine so brightly through them that it spreads. Amen? So as we sing this morning, as you know, what we do, we're not here to perform by any means. We're here to give God glory for what he's done in our lives. So feel free to worship with us this morning as we sing.
<laughs> Hi, my name is Dawn. I've been at Teen Challenge for seven months. Um, I was not born into a home that spoke about God. We didn't go to church or anything like that. I was told on a daily basis that, this is like really weird, I can't, <laughs> sorry. I was told on a daily basis that I wasn't wanted, that I wasn't loved, that I was a mistake. And um, when I was eight years old, I tried to kill myself. And um, obviously I didn't die that day, thanks to God. God had a plan for my life. When things would get like really scary and abusive in the home if I could like sneak away. I would go out into the woods where I would seek like refuge and peace. And there was like this presence that would just like comfort me and tell me like life wouldn't always be that way. One day I would have a beautiful life. <sighs> Over time, through experiences and pains, I believed those other words that were spoken over my life and not the words of what I know now as God. And I ran into all kinds of addictions. And um, I got married very young, thinking that if I could get a man to love me, that I would be somebody, that I would have value. I'm sorry. <clears throat> My husband, he did try to love me. And all I did was take it from him. I never gave anything back. And a person, they can't fix you. They can't make you whole. Only God can do that. I had children that had to watch me passed out on the floor from drinking too much and just watching us fight. And I really don't know like what that did to them. I haven't seen them in over eight years. <laughs> My husband left me and took the children. And then I really went into addiction and I ended up homeless and committing crimes and walking the streets to support myself and I was in a shelter one night and I just looked around at all these women that were just sleeping and I couldn't sleep and then like that voice that I remembered from being a child came back to me in the middle of the night and I just started crying out to God and for the first time in my life it wasn't to blame him <laughs> It was to ask him for a chance to live that beautiful life that he promised me. And I met the girls from Teen Challenge the very next day, and they invited me to live there. My life has changed so much since coming there. I no longer walk in shame. I don't have any more guilt. I have the love of God, and I'll never take it for granted. God has revealed to me, like, the fact that he didn't give up when he was placed on that cross. He didn't feel like doing that. 
you know? And I don't always feel like doing something, but you know what? I can't give up. God didn't give up on me. The scripture I want to leave you with is Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, and you will come to me, and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Thank you. I think it's really easy as Christians to forget the power of prayer. You know, when you get caught up in a routine, going to church every Sunday, or maybe there's somebody that you've been praying for in your life that you just started to give up on. You're like, you know what, God, you're God. If you're going to do something, you're going to do something. Well, how about the power of prayer? That there was churches not even knowing her, praying for her. Because that's what we're going to do today. We're going to pray. So if anybody can take out these cards, and if you haven't received one yet, if you guys can raise your hand, because um, I know we've been here for quite a few years, and what's happened sort of over time, what makes me so sad is what would happen is there would never be the prayer side filled out. And it sort of like broke my heart, because it was like you guys weren't really believing that we'd pray with you and really believe for God to move in your life. We want to reignite that passion for prayer in your church. Because I don't know about you, but I'm going to be believing that the prayers that you're going to write on here, that you guys are going to testify to us next time when we come here, you're going to testify to us of how God is going to move. Whether it's in your church, whether it's in your family. Maybe you have that loved one that you've been praying for and you're just like, they'll never believe in God. They're so far gone. How about they get saved and find Jesus? How about you have somebody in your life that's so broken? Maybe you're so bitter that you don't want to pray that happens. You get so hurt, you're done praying. How about we pray where your faith is lacking, where your hurt's too deep, and we pray for God to move. Because that's what we want to do. We want to believe as the kingdom of God, to believe, and then will you pray for them? That's what, when we send you the mailing list, when we send you the different things of the newsletters, will you read it and not just throw it away as another piece of junk mail? Will you pray and believe for those testimonies? Amen? Will you re believe that those girls don't just make it through Teen Challenge? Because what I'm challenging you, church, to not just pray that they finish this program. Because Teen Challenge doesn't save anybody. It's Jesus Christ. That their life is surrendered to him to being the Lord of their life. Because them falling in love with him being their savior isn't enough. We love that good part, right? The forgiveness, the grace, the mercy. How about that surrender that hurts? Pray that they're willing no matter what. Because we know our lives are a mess without it. Because we're not made to be Sunday morning Christians. Our lives are set apart, set apart forever for him, for the calling that he has upon our lives. So will you pray with us? Amen. So during this time, we're just going to worship as the Holy Spirit. I pray that he leads you for the prayers, those personal prayers. God, I ask for you to give people in here a spirit of vulnerability. Maybe the things that they're afraid to even go to leadership in this church to pray for. Maybe there's something in their life they need to be set free of, God. For you to do a work. And for you to raise us up to be those prayer warriors for this church, believing for you to move.
again. Even what our faith is lacking, give us the faith to that's still lost and broken. The girls that have been so cold this week, God. They're so hungry. Or maybe they're waking up this morning with bruises, God, or whatever it might be. Lord, just running and running, and they're so exhausted. We ask for you to move in their lives, God. We thank you, Lord, that though we don't know their faces, though we don't know their names, you do. And we're asking and believing for you to move in a powerful way, God. And for you to open up the doors for us to be able to have more women come in to not just be at capacity, Lord, but we're praying for that new campus that you want for us, oh God, where we can house a hundred women, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can believe for you to move in powerful ways in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to have the girls come forward and collect the cards that you guys have filled out. But if you're not finished, that's okay. You can give it to us also after service. But I want to read a scripture. Now, the main scripture that we sort of stand on as a ministry is 2 Corinthians 5.17, which most people are very familiar with, but I'm going to start in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised from the dead. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All of this is from God who is reconciling us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. But he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though Christ were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God who made him, made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's what he raises us up to be in this home. And I pray that he uses us to sort of inspire the church to be that and maybe to really believe it in your own life because a lot of times we hinder ourselves with that guilt and shame but he wants to set us all free amen amen those tears <laughs> I'm not short either. <laughs> My name's Cheryl. Um, I've been in Teen Challenge for almost 15 months. I'm 54 years old. I'm from Johnston, Rhode Island. And I'm really grateful to be alive, sober, and serving the Lord today. I was sober for over 13 years. I was going to church. I had a great career. Um, I had gotten, God had given me so many things during those years, and I had three surgeries. I couldn't work anymore. I was going through menopause, a lot of medical bills. I was losing my house. I had a lot of things going against me, and I picked up pain pills, and I started to drink again. I couldn't get on my feet for anything. All those feelings that I felt years ago came back. I felt hopeless. I felt like a big failure. 
I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't take care of my family. I didn't want to live anymore. And I tried secular rehabs. I couldn't get on my feet for nothing. I'm married. I have a son 15 years old. I couldn't even stay sober for my son. I couldn't get more than three months together. And all these feelings came up, and I didn't know how to deal with them. I went to my last detox. It was called AdCare. And I come home, and my husband and son looked at me, and they said, we can't do this anymore. We don't want you home unless you go somewhere for long term. And I knew in my heart that I needed to go somewhere. I always knew about Teen Challenge. I had a brother that went through the program years ago. I've always supported the home. And um, anyways, I, I knew this is where I had to go because it wasn't just going somewhere and getting clean. It was changing my life. It was, I needed a transformation. I needed my heart changed. And I knew that God was the only one that could do that. And with, through my own devices, I just I couldn't do it. So I ended up coming through the, tours, the doors of Teen Challenge. It was October 27, 2011. And I knew once I op went through the doors that I had to stay and complete it. I had made a commitment to my son and my husband and to myself and to God that I was going to do this as much as I fought tooth and nail. And Sister April knows how hard it was for me. There were times I wanted to leave, but I knew I couldn't. And God delivered me from so many things, drugs, alcohol. I messed around with an eating disorder. Um, I, I had a hard time distinguishing that through health issues because I had three stomach surgeries. And, um, you know, through God's grace and his mercy, power, and everything in my life, I've been delivered from everything. And for me, it's what I do in my life on a daily basis. This isn't Teen Challenge that's going to keep me away from everything. It's God and what I do with my life. I'm done with this program. This is my last choir that I'm going on. Next, next week, I'll be in my own church, um, and I'm grateful for that. I am so grateful that I have a place to go when I get out of here. Um, but it's what I do with my life, you know, um, and I am just grateful for another opportunity again um, in my life. You know, my family wants me home today. They, I remember the first visit I got when I was in Teen Challenge. My family couldn't wait to leave. Now it's like they can't wait for me to come home, and I am so grateful for that. We went on choir to my church last weekend, and my church, I love my church. They want me back. I have a place as a school nurse there that they held open for me and I am just so grateful for everything that God did in my life and his faithfulness how he watched over my my husband and my son while I was here my son does he goes to a Christian school he's involved in my church he does the sound system on Sundays and I am so proud of him and he's so proud of me and I know that this is exactly where God wanted me to be for 15 months. And I am just so grateful to have an opportunity to change and grow and just, you know, be a mother and a wife and a, a functioning member of society again. And the scripture that I held on to since the day I walked through these doors was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, was trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on, on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. And that's exactly what he's doing in my life today. And I just thank God for all the opportunities, his faithfulness in my life, in my family's life, and for a new season to begin. And thank you for letting me share and just... Thank you for your support. Thanks.
is a still. Okay. Yeah. Hi. My name is Marissa. I'm 27 years old. I've been in Teen Challenge for a year now. I started getting high at a very young age. Um, I was addicted to heroin and cocaine by the time I was 16. And I actually came into Teen Challenge when I was 19 years old. I had already done a year in jail. I had tried other detoxes and programs, and nothing worked. Um, I was so angry and rebellious. I thought I knew everything. I was so prideful. I came into the program, and I met Jesus there, and he saved my life. Um, you know, the program really helped me with my relationship with the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I fell in love with Jesus, and I graduated the program after 21 months. And then, um, against God's will, I knew it wasn't time for me to leave, but I chose to leave anyway. And uh, I didn't understand then that God gives grace for obedience to his will, not really grace to do my own thing. So I left the program, and um, within a month and a half, I was addicted again. I was back on the streets. I was walking the streets in D.C., I was so broken. I was so ashamed of who I was and what had happened and what I had done. And um, I was very defeated in my sin. It says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And he never left me. I was so hard and stubborn, but the Holy Spirit began to draw me back to the Lord. You know, who can do that? Only God could, could touch my heart. My mind was so deceived, but he broke through. I, I was unwilling to respond at first. It took me five years to come to a place of humility and, and to respond to what God had asked me to do, which was come back to Teen Challenge um, in an act of obedience. And I came into the program a year ago. I was detoxing from methadone. I was so filled with guilt and shame. My heart was so hard. Since being here, the Lord has really showed me his love and his forgiveness, that he wasn't really shocked by anything that I had done. You know, he wasn't surprised that he knew what I would do before I did it, and that's why he sent his son to die on the cross for me. And learning how to receive his love and um, just allowing that to transform my heart um, he's teaching me how to trust in him. I seriously, I don't think I've ever trusted anybody my whole life since I was a little girl. I, um, you know, my heart, I built so many walls up and I'm learning how to trust in Jesus today. And it feels so good to be able to believe in something, in someone. He's so faithful. When I was unfaithful, he remained faithful. And I'm so grateful to be in a place where I can learn, I can like practically walk that out every day. I'm learning how to surrender my life to him. And that sounds like a really beautiful thing, but it's actually because Teen Challenge crosses my will like at least once a day. So I'm learning how to surrender, you know, in that and um, just how to receive his love. That song that we sang, it said, your love has won. And I, that just really touched my heart because I remember fighting that, but um, I couldn't resist the love of God. And uh, the scripture I'd like to leave you with is Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. 
This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I pray that your heart see that it's not about us sharing dramatic stories. I think sometimes people can get caught up in that and feel like they don't have a testimony. It's just to show what an awesome God we serve. That no matter how far away we get, no matter how much we fall, he's always there, no matter what. And for you guys to have that passion to believe for that, no matter where you go. Because I'm grateful that we're here, like after you just got back from a missions trip, were you guys able... To use, if we're able to be used by God, you know, in such a powerful way, in something so dramatic where you see it. But to remind you also that the missions field is right here too. I thank you that you see that as a church pastor, like that that's what our home is. For those people on the streets that you see that are just dying, for you not to think anything of them except for they have a story too and that they just need, desperately need Jesus. <laughs> And one prayer request that I have for you guys to pray and believe for us. We're like fasting and praying and believing that God's going to come through this year. As I prayed before, um, we're at capacity right now, which means we have a waiting list. And I remember when, when I was a student in the program, we were like that too. And I remember Pastor Jackie just coming in and challenging us to pray, and she'd be weeping. And I was like... I didn't feel that anguish, but now I do because there's those girls that just want to get help. And we don't have a place for them, and we can refer them to other programs, but we're believing that God's allowing this to stir our prayer life to believe for far greater things that we can see. There's a property here in North Kingston, it's on Narragansett Bay, that we're praying for, that we'd be able to house not only women but their children. Because so many women don't come in because they have kids. And one of the hardest things as a staff member here praying with these women that have children, that have small children, because I'm not a mom. But to tell them to have that faith and believe and to be willing to surrender it when I can't even relate. <laughs> but how awesome would it be for them to have a home where not only they get restored, but their children get restored unto God, that their children have a safe place to be, that the families get restored together. Amen? And for us to be able to have not just 30 students, but how about 100, 100 women that are dramatically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ? How powerful is that? Amen? So if God's challenging you at all to help support us financially, know that we're in desperate need of it. But of course, power of prayer is so much greater. God doesn't really have money problems. He has a little more like people problems, right? <laughs> but um, if God's putting it on your heart at all, we have a sponsorship campaign. It's a dollar a day. A lot of these girls don't even still have um, full sponsorship. It's just a part to partner and believe in what God's doing. Amen? It's sowing and believing that God's going to move through that. Amen? And also... Um, of course, we have the jewelry in the back, like always. The girls make phenomenal stuff. God did so much through the month of December. We were at eight malls all across New England, being able to share the truth about what Christmas is really about, getting so many opportunities to pray with people that were lost, addicted, or broken, or maybe family members that had died for overdoses, or all these different amazing testimonies, how God uses something as simple as jewelry 
for us to spread the gospel. Awesome, huh? And also, if we're actually going to be having a big fundraiser this year in spring in April. We're having our first ever fashion show. So if any of you guys are interested, well, ladies are interested in just wanting some more information, if you guys want to sign up in the back, we're just starting the planning right now so we could send you the information of the details of that as well. But we're going to end in one last song. Um, oh, we're doomed, right? So just feel free to worship with us. Can I take this off? I'm taking this off. Is that okay?
Amen. That's awesome. Let's open our Bibles to Colossians 3.17. I have a short message for you today. Uh, next week, we're going to um, have a, our uh, Nicaragua <laughs> recap. I'm a little out of it, but what's new, right? No comments from you over here. Colossians 3, 15 through 16, we looked at the last couple of times. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. We heard some of that today as we heard the different songs, and I uh, love that last song as well. The, <clears throat> excuse me, the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, and the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. The peace of Christ, the word of Christ. And then verse 17, he says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These are kind of, a, kind of an overarching, all-inclusive, fundamental principle this verse 17 is here. Something that really, it's big. These are big words. Something that's kind of over our whole lives. Kind of a principle for life. It's not an easy one, though, is it? When you look at this. I said uh, when we looked at verse 16, you know, it's one of my favorite subjects, the word of the Word of God, and, but it's very challenging to really bring that Word of Christ, the Word of God, into our lives in a very rich way where we're bringing, we're, we're feeding on it, we're meditating on it, we're, we're just letting it change us. But verse 17 is kind of different. It's, this is more of a, now we're more in the conviction kind of thing. Not just, it's not just challenging, but it's convicting that, that whatever you do, whether... In word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is everything. How much does that cover? Everything. Whatever. And that's very different from the attitude that we get from the world today when we hear that word whatever, right? Or whatever. You know, they hear that's that. I, I saw a list. That's the most annoying word in the <laughs> language at, the, at this moment in time. But this is not annoying. This is just very convicting because he says whatever you do. Whether in word or in deed, he says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is not just the ending of a prayer. We all know we, we pray in the name of Jesus. And, 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 but but this, is, this is more like our lives. Can we, can we live our lives in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can I do this particular thing in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can I say this particular thing in the name of the Lord Jesus? That's not an easy thing to contemplate. This is like every day, not just at church. Someone said this, can we speak it and in the same breath name the name of Jesus? Oh, that hurts, doesn't it? I mean, we, you know, we're from Rhode Island. We're from New England. We've got, we've got kind of this uh, humor thing happening, this sarcastic humor, right? And, and I, I can, uh, I've been here long enough. I can say I'm from Rhode Island now, right? How long, how many years does it take? 
but my father was born in New Hampshire, so I kind of have roots here anyway, so whatever. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Can we speak it and in the same breath name the name of Jesus? Some of the things that we say, like some of the things that come out of our mouths, can we say in the next or in the very same breath name the name of Jesus? I doubt it, seriously, knowing my own self. He said also, if a man brings every word and deed to the test of the presence of Jesus Christ, he will not go wrong. If we bring it to the, to the presence of Jesus Christ, we won't go wrong. Now, when we know this, when the Bible talks about in the name, it wasn't just, just a moniker. Not, it wasn't just something that, that, uh, that was attached to a person, but it, it, it actually encompassed the whole person. In the name of Jesus means in the name of his whole person. In harmony with, with who he is, in harmony with what he taught, in harmony with the, the spirit of God and Jesus Christ. You see what I mean when I talk about this is the most convicting of this whole thing. But that being over our whole lives, can we, can we go out and do what we do? Not just on Sunday when we come to church and we say in the name of Jesus, we pray. Someone else said, you know, that there is no split there's no sacred, secular split. There's no difference between out there and in here. We should be all the same, consistent. Warren Wearsby pointed this out, that as Christians, we bear the name of Christ. We bear the name. If I call myself a Christian, I have that name. And now he says here, Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, whatever you do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, he says it again, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Can, can you and I say that about the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that we even eat? the things that we drink or whatever we do, can we do it all for the glory of God? Stop talking about this. You know, I just want to live my happy little life and do my happy little thing. Well, that's not what he's called us to do. He's called us to be followers, disciples. Whatever we do. Someone else said it like this, can I do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Would this be to his glory? Can, could I expect his blessing to rest on it? And this, he finishes, he says, would I want to be doing it when he comes back again? Oh, can't we just go home now? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 16, he says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Is it, is it something that we can commit this to God? We know. We know. We're not, we're not, well, we are kind of dumb, but we know when we're doing something and we just don't even want to bring God into that picture, right? We don't, we don't want to bring the name of Jesus into that particular way of thinking or what we're involved in or what we're saying. We know. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it in the name 
Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you commit that thing to the Lord? Whatever we do? He says later in the books, a book of Colossians, and I believe Justin talked about this last week, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Speaking in the, in the realm of our, our activities of work. Whatever you do. See, this phrase keeps coming up again and again. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do. It's not just the little Christian thing over here and then the rest of my life over here. No, it's whatever you and I do as believers. Can we name the name of Jesus? Can we commit it to him? Is it something that will bring glory to him? You see what I mean when I say this is very convicting? This is, but this is real. This is what the word of God is telling us. So we want the word of of God to dwell in us richly. And then we have to also hear what it says in the very next verse. <clears throat> I'm getting close to the end. Trust me. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, he says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Solomon writes there, in other words, what, are you, what you're doing now, what we're all involved in now, let's really do what we're going to do. Let's do it because we, we're not going to have that same chance when we get there, when we die, when we leave this earth. Well, you know, when I, you know, when I get a little bit older and have a little you know, more time, then I'll really follow Jesus. There's no time for that. We don't know how much time we have. Do it now. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. We're either going to follow Jesus now with all of our might or we're going to be like lukewarm. And I don't think I need to remind you what it says in the book of Revelation about being lukewarm. It's not a good thing to be, not a good thing to do. So, whatever... You do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Could that be a principle that is over our lives, all-encompassing, overarching for the glory of God, committing what we do, what we say, what we eat, what we drink, how we work, how we serve. Can we, can we commit it all? Can we, use, can, we, can we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can we do it for his glory? So the question I want to finish with is this, is what's over your life? What's over my life? Is this the kind of thing that is over our lives? What's the overarching principle in my life, in your life? Or maybe, just maybe the best question, the better question is, who is over your life and over my life? Let's pray.